Greetings and welcome to the Retribe Podcast. My name is Clay Schmitz and I will be your host as we explore tribe and how to retribe and if we want to retribe and find out what's there for us. Is there something there for us? And if so, how can we bring more of that tribe way of living into our, our modern life? And, uh, you know, at the very least, we'll be learning how we how we lived for tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, you know, maybe millions of years, you know, how we lived our ancestors lived in these small bands of hunters and gatherers and tribes and villages and and see what that looked like get a real real clear and deep understanding of, of what it what it's like to live in a tribe if you're like me i have a lot of questions there i i don't i didn't grow up in a tribe so i don't know what that looks like but i want to find out and and from what i found out so far there seems to be a lot of juice there a lot of really interesting exciting and and um exhilarating ways to live in that in that tribal sphere and so we're going to explore that and and learn all we can and and um hopefully have a lot of fun talking about that so thanks for listening and i hope to um, hear from you soon and connect with you and and if you want to be a guest on the show or you know somebody who would be a great guest for the show please uh, contact us let us know send send us the details and and uh, we look forward to hear from you and and see you in face-to-face in real life soon. Thank you for listening. This podcast is brought to you by clayisland.com. Please take a look at the website, become a member, start a subscription. We need your support and we welcome and thank your support. You can support through a membership subscription or head on over to the Patreon page and become a monthly donor. All of it's welcome. All of it helps um, support what we're doing here the podcast the videos the articles and uh, we want to bring you more of this information and and give it away as much as we can we appreciate your support yeah so please head on over to clayisland.com and browse around and check those links and and send all the support our way that you can and thank you so much hello and welcome in this episode we're gonna get into divorce i'm gonna talk about my divorce story and what I was feeling, what I was going through, what the initial experience was like, and then how I, what I did to feel better, to heal myself, to to learn all I could and to, to come out the other side of that, not only feeling whole and healed and complete and, and better, but um, wanting to get remarried, wanting to get back into a relationship, actually being excited about it. Uh, I, I finally had a, a blueprint or some tools and, and an idea of what a healthy relationship looked like. And, and so coming, going through a divorce and coming out the other side, learning uh, a different way to relate, I was excited and, and exhilarated to get back into a relationship and put all these tools I had learned into practice. I share a lot of the the, the steps and the the dozen or so things that I learned and, and how I applied them and, and try to explain them as best I can. And, and so my hope is that by sharing this and exploring and explaining and sharing my whole divorce process and what I learned that there'll be something in here that's helpful for you. And, and, and this can uh, serve as a, a guide or a signpost and, on how to get through this, this um, really hard and scary and sad and and uh, at least it was for me experience called divorce and and um how it can come out the other side feeling peaceful and joyful and content and and uh, uh you know get get our our mojo for lack of a better word back to feel powerful again and 
and loved and appreciated and and um, wanted and and all these things that that I wasn't feeling when I first went into the divorce process and was my you know separation and all that. I, I certainly didn't feel that way. But going through this process and learning learning how to um, learning about myself and learning how to relate and and be a better spouse, a better partner, a better human, my best self. Yeah. So I'm going to share that. And I, like I said, I really hope that there's something in here for you. And and I know there are a lot of people out there that are suffering through divorce. And I have a lot of friends that are, have recently been divorced and it's, um, it's a common thing in, in, in our modern times. And I hope that by sharing my experience, we can have more healthy relationships, more sustainable relationships. And, and both before, during, and if there's an after of the relationship that we, we learn a better way, uh, a more sustainable way, a, a way that feels better for everyone and, and um, lifts everyone up. And, and we all feel loved and appreciated and celebrated and, and uh, needed and wanted and, and, um, and like we, you know, we're cared for, like we matter. And, and so that's, uh, that's why I'm sharing this. And so, Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy. So one Saturday morning, my wife woke up, said she couldn't do this anymore, put on her shoes, and walked out the front door. That was the end of our marriage. I had almost no idea or clue how it had fallen apart or why she was leaving or, or where or how or who or when or what. I, I knew we had problems, but I had no idea it was to that extent. And so I was completely shocked to hear that and, and devastated. I, I just, I was like, I, I started crying immediately. I was, I was just distraught and confused and, and scared and anxious and and had no idea what to do uh, so i you know i picked up the phone and <laughs> called my mom and and crying said oh my my wife left you know my wife left me and she said oh sweetie come on over you know so that I was like i i left my the house we were living in and and almost had almost no contact with her, with my now ex-wife, um, over throughout the entire divorce process. And so my life was felt completely turned upside down, you know, like the rug had been pulled out from under me. I had uh, no idea how I got myself into that mess or how to prevent it from happening again or what to do now just to feel better, to get through a day without crying or without feeling just terrible inside all um, just sad like you know a wave of sadness would come over me many times a day and at one point I remember thinking man I just want to get through the day without feeling sad or without crying that that was how distraught I felt and you know, looking back on it, I, I know most of it was my, my thinking was just completely confused and I had no way of getting a clear head or, or any kind of an understanding of 
what was going on and and or any tools on how to how to get clear or how to feel better or to see this situation as anything other than terrible that that was the big thing is i just saw myself as ruined as damaged goods as some kind of a loser you know a fuck up i it's somehow being abandoned by my wife in my 30s was was some sign that I was somehow worthless or some kind of piece of garbage and had no chance for uh, another life or any kind of a, a the life that I had led to believe was ideal. You know, that, that just seemed like that was all gone. There's no chance for me. There's no hope. And another huge part is like trust. I didn't trust any of my relationships now. I thought that that one relationship, my, the marriage, you know, we stood up in front of all our friends and family and made these vows to stand by each other, no matter what, through thick and thin, good or bad. And, and when that didn't happen, that completely destroyed my faith in, in people and any of my relationships. And I was now scared of like, well, who's going to leave me next? You know, am I, am I, are all my friends going to leave me? All my relationships, you know, my family members going to abandon me? you know, is, is anything safe or sacred? Well, will I be all alone and miserable and, and, and feeling lonely and scared and all, you know, basically thrown out and shunned and, and, and left for dead is that, you know, that's kind of how I, the thinking I had at the time. And that's how I, I just felt this, this, um, completely torn up and confused and had no idea what to do or how to feel better or how to, how to even just get through an hour, you know, without feeling horrible. And, um, so the only thing I was certain of was that I needed help. And so that, that was like the first turning point for me is, and because I was so, um, feeling so bad and, and all my, I, I guess I hit bottom in a sense that my life wasn't working for me anymore. I had, I had tried to, to feel better in the past through alcohol, through rage or anger, through sex, through drugs, through extreme sports, you know, adrenaline, surfing, and, and none of those were working right now. You know, I, I even tried to go surfing to uh, drink and such to, to feel better and none of it worked. I, did, you know, I, I almost felt worse because it, it was like scarier because, oh my God, these tools that used to work for me to help me feel better now weren't helping at all. I remember at one point I felt so bad. I had the thought, this is why people commit suicide. And that scared, scared the heck out of me. I was like, shit, I, I need to do something about this because if I keep feeling this way, I might want to kill myself. And, and that was like really scary. And, uh, I think having that thought or that realization allowed me to, it eroded all my defenses or my, my, uh, shyness or whatever kept me from asking from help for help before was gone now. And so I, was, I, I, like I said, I, I, this, I guess I hit that, that bottom to where I, I no longer cared what people thought or I, I was no longer embarrassed about feeling this way. I just knew like, man, I need help and I'm going to ask. And I, you know, like I had overcome whatever hurdle was keeping me from asking for help before. I, I just knew that whatever I was suffering or dealing with here was, had defeated me and I, I could not, could no longer do it on my own. And so that, that was 
the huge first step towards healing or, you know, or feeling better. And so I had this um, friends group that was of men that were getting together to uh, do like a monthly dinner and, and hang out. And I was, I was afraid that if I, if I went there without telling everyone what was going on, I, you know, I, I would just randomly burst into tears at dinner and, or something like that. And so I sent an email to uh, a, a handful of my close friends saying, Hey man, I really want to go to this thing, but I'm afraid that, that I'll fill my stein or beer glass full of tears. You know, I, I, that's how I was just feeling so sad. And, and I, I didn't want to call, you know, I was afraid to call people because I, I would burst into tears or could, I just feel so sad. I wouldn't be, I get all choked up and wouldn't be able to have that conversation um, with, you know, with some of those friends. And so I, that's, that's why I sent the email. I was like, ah, oh, you know, this is, this is, this feels safer to, to, to ask for it this way. And so I just, I sent that out and immediately I got a response from one of my closest friends and um, he called me and we talked on the phone and he recommended uh, someone, he, he said, oh, he's, you know, he's eccentric. He's, he's kind of uh, a, a different, maybe he, I don't remember the exact wording. I remember eccentric for sure. And that, um, and he said, he's a very caring dude. And so that, that was pretty much all I needed to hear. And so I, I asked, asked him to send me his number. And then I, I think I even called him again the next day. Hey, you know, have you sent his number yet? And so I was, I was highly motivated to, um, get some help or some relief from, from how bad I was feeling, how much I was suffering. And so, um, he, he gave me his number and I, I called him right away and I remember him, he had an appointment maybe a week or, or I don't remember how long, maybe it was a couple of weeks out or a week out, not, but I was feeling so bad. I'm like, Oh man, do you have anything sooner? Like, like this week. And I think he, 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 uh, found some time for me to come in and like the next couple of days, and so I, I went in and, and I, you know, I started doing that thing called therapy, right? Or, you know, I just started for the first time actually talking to someone and telling them all that's going on and how I'm, you know, what, as much as, as best I could, how I'm feeling and, and what, what I'm going through. And, and, um, and I knew right away in that first visit that he was, um, safe you know this was a, a safe place he he had been through what i was going through or or something very similar he had seen it all knew it all like nothing that i was saying to him was was surprising or uh, too much or too wrong or you know whatever that is it was a safe place that, that i could tell him anything and he understood and got it and and wasn't going to judge me or shame me or try to change me or fix me or any of that and, uh, and, and so that was, that was like, for me, the first step and a huge relief. Um, you know, a lot of, up until that point, I was, I was talking to friends and family and, and, you know, just looking for any nugget of advice on, or wisdom on what to do. And, and even though they were doing the best they could, a, a lot of the, what I was hearing was what didn't make any sense or it just didn't seem right to me. And, and so it, it's, um, it was very. It was a big relief when I found this advisor to. Um, I just to know I felt safe with him, but also I, I had the sense that he had a certain, a, a much broader, bigger um, 
wisdom. I felt like I was I was finally going to get some like secret treasures or un- unlock the the clues to how I'd been feeling and and maybe most importantly I had a sense that 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 by talking to him he was going to help me understand what was going on with my marriage, you know, like what happened because I, I I wasn't getting any communication from my from my then wife or or her family or friends and so I, I felt completely in the dark and 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 um just kind of guessing what was going on and um and through the the help of this wise advisor we were able to to piece it together in a way that I I was able to understand what had happened, why it had happened, what my part in it was and and that the big help for me there was um it, it took away the fear or the anxiety that I would end up in that situation again, you know, because I, I finally, I felt, ah, I I see through her eyes what, what happened or, or how it happened. And, and, and so I, um, it just was very empowering to go through that process. And, and it took a long time, you know, it was, it was, um, several months before the fog lifted and I, I finally started to feel, you know, somewhat okay. And it was, it was almost three years you know, at least two years before I started to feel pretty normal, you know, we're back to like, like life is, is pretty good. And I'm, you know, um, there's hope and, and things, these things, but it almost three years before I finally felt really healed, I guess, like, like all that drama and trauma that I went through and, and not only then, but all the way back to, you know, my whole life, you know, that whole lifetime of baggage that I hadn't sorted through, I, I worked through all of that. But yeah, it, it took several years for me to to feel content, you know, at peace and and to have a an awareness of of my thinking and that regardless of what life situation or I found myself in that that I was going to be okay. And that that was huge. That was I had never had that before. I, everything felt I felt kind of at the mercy of of or the the victim of, of circumstances and, and any thing that came along that, that was scary or, or I felt anxious, you know, it was, it was, um, very uncertain. And I, I ran away from a lot of situations because I didn't know how to handle them. I had no clue what to do. And I, I had this belief that if I got anywhere near that particular circumstance, that I would not be okay, that I would come out the worse for wear or be ruined and, and all this kind of stuff. And so it was very empowering, huge relief and, um, a lot of, a lot of hard, hard work, you know, not the, not the kind of physical labor type work that I'd grown up to believe that that was the only real work, but this is the, the inner work that all the mystics and, and sages and, and prophets of, talk been talking about for thousands of years that 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 um and that that inner work man that was way harder than any ditch digging i had ever done you know like that digging on the the interior and and sorting through all my feelings and life experiences and hurts and wounds and and um that that was man there's so many days when I, i would be you know, sitting there talking to my advisor in the room felt like it was spinning. I I just wanted to get up and run out of there and never come back because it was this was like like he kept say, saying to me, "This is big league stuff." You know this, and it was. It felt like 
you know, I was stepping up to the pros of the emotional realm and that it was scary. I had never been there or dealt with it. You know, I just stuffed all that stuff down or ran away if I felt scared or anxious, you know, or somebody was telling me something that was freaking me out. I, I wouldn't sit and listen to that or, or, you know, work through it. I'd run the hell out of there or try to shut them up. You know, that was, that was, that was too scary for me. I, I was, you know, I wanted to stay in the minors and, and play t-ball or whatever that, you know, none of this, none of this hundred mile fastball stuff. I, that was not, um, anything I, I wanted to get anywhere near. And, and, uh, and that's where, that's the reason I'm sharing this because, um, I came out the other side of this process feeling um, very, I mean, good, for sure, good. And at the same time, even when something technically or, you know, that we label as bad, what happened, I, I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm okay. This is how I'm feeling. I'm scared or anxious or nervous or, or I'm happy. I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm, I'm excited. You know, whatever I was feeling, I could be content or at peace with the feelings and the thoughts and and uh, any situation that would come along would would uh, it'd be like a, a storm it would come I'd see it coming it would you know pass over through around and and it might be really tumultuous and 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 scary and and destructive and then it would pass and and calm would return again and, and so it was it, it's uh you know it was it was very similar to that kind of looking at the weather as 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 a um as an event and something magical and, and really curious and, and uh, interesting and, and welcoming it instead of running like a rabbit, you know, or just being so terrified of, of life. Looking back, I can say with complete certainty that getting divorced was one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me. It, it woke me up, gave me a jolt or, or hit me upside the head in a way that maybe nothing else could have. And, and finally, you know, woke me up or, or cracked open the, the life that has, that was not working for me and, and that I was too stubborn or persistent or determined, or I had too much perseverance. I would, I would have stuck out that dysfunctional life and, and unhealthy marriage for ever you know that i was i was committed to doing that in that in that uh way that wasn't working and so when when my wife walking out at me was was the the wake up call that finally um like the saying goes you know it cracked me open and allowed the light to come in or allowed the real me to escape through the cracks in that in that dysfunctional uh image or 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 actor character that i had created or and uh and yeah and so like you know at the time it certainly did not feel like a great thing or a wonderful event i could i could not see it that way at all it seemed like the scariest hardest most um the the worst thing that ever happened to me it certainly felt that way that, that oh my god my life is over i'm ruined i'm finished this is this is what happens to losers and and i'm done and 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 so yeah so that that's that brings me to why i'm i'm sharing this and why why i want to um 
I want to give back this this information. I wish I would have had access to this knowledge or to my mentors when I was a child. You know, if I man, if five, ten, even even at twenty or thirty, you know, this this information could have um, been so helpful at any in all of those stages of my life, and it, it, and it, it wouldn't necessarily have changed how I live my life, it, but it, but what it what it does is. When I find myself in a challenging or or really scary or um, hard, difficult situation, I I have tools. I have the you know the ability to go through that difficult situation to to face the the paper uh, tiger, as they say, and and have some um, faith or confidence that I'm I'm going to get through it and 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 that it will be a good thing that this difficulty isn't happening because I'm doing something wrong or or I messed up it it's actually a a good thing that that I am going to learn something extremely valuable and and worthwhile and it and it's going to um present a lot of of silver linings and benefits that that I I probably can't see right now and and so that was one of the um biggest things I learned or, or, or one of the reasons I'm so grateful for, for having gone through a divorce is it, it, um, it, it gave me these tools or finally I was, it opened me up to a point to, to, um, be able to, to hear these tools and this wisdom and see it as beneficial. Whereas before I was completely, uh, unwilling to listen, uh, couldn't hear it, shut it out, didn't want to hear it, didn't see it as valuable. And, and so, I needed that that seemingly tragic or tra- traumatizing event to uh, shake me up and 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 really um, be the alarm clock that allowed me to to be willing to discard all the other things that had not working or weren't working for me and try something new. I'm going. I made up a a list of of some of the tools and uh, things that I learned, and I'm gonna go down the list a bit and, and, um, I will put the links to the sources and, and ways you can find these tools, um, in the show notes and on my website. And so, um, about a decade prior to going through divorce, I had, um, come across Napoleon Hill's, uh, famous work called Think and Grow Rich, which, um, and riches was defined as as a broad beyond just financial as as um, being rich in people and love and and success and in general as far as having a, a, f- a full and rich life and how to how to bring that into existence and and so I listened to that over and over and over again essentially reprogramming myself on how to um, I guess manifest for lack of a better word it, it's he kind of was ahead of his time um, in the it's essentially what's in the secret that, you know, like this idea of being able to bring anything into our lives if we, if we go through some steps. And, and one of the things that really stuck out that he said was seek expert advice. And for much of my life, I was too scared or stubborn or just uh, believed it, it, I couldn't afford it or it wasn't worthwhile, but I did not seek out this expert advice. I, I just was stubborn and insisted on reinventing the wheel instead of going to people that have already invented the wheel and, and learning from them the easy way. And so this time around, I knew enough, you know, that while I was going through my divorce that I needed 
expert advice. I needed to hear from people who not only had been through a divorce and knew what it was all about and what that was like, but also had access to the uh, the wisdom of the ages. They had, you know, all the the time tested, time proven knowledge that was applicable to any situation, any loss, any hardship, any difficulty, any challenge. And so, and um, you know, and so at first, I, I reached out to my friends and family, and and their support and love and guidance was invaluable. I could not have um, gone through this without that. And at the same time. Uh, none of them had been divorced or been through this kind of relationship trauma. They didn't have a lot of experience or almost no experience in this area. And so as valuable as their love and support was, and as much as I appreciated them offering advice, they were just guessing, just like I was just guessing on what to do. And so I sought out expert advice. And when I I got that expert advice, it it made all the difference in the world. I, I went from being, you know, like a lot of the feedback and advice I was getting from people who weren't experts was scary. I was like, man, if I do that, that sounds terrible. Like why? You know, like a lot of people are saying, oh, don't, don't call your wife, never call her again. Don't, don't ever try to talk to her. Just lose her number, never call her again. Just cut, you know, like, and things like, things like this that just for me seemed really foolish or scary. Or I was like, man, how how am I going to get answers or understand or figure this whole mess out if I never try to call her, you know, like these kinds of, like I had a lot of questions and and the solutions that were being presented didn't make any sense or they just didn't seem like they were um, going to work for me. And and so when I found this expert who has been divorced, been through all this, had the, the access to the wisdom of the ages, has studied all the wisdom traditions and knows both through experience and studying and, the, and being an elder, he had the patience and the, the wisdom to um, allow me to come to the conclusions or to draw the answers out of me. Instead of just telling me what to do or or saying do this or or offering suggestions, he would he would often just listen and and ask me, hey, do you want some feedback? Do you want some help? Do you want a suggestion? Do you want to hear a story? And, and I felt very safe going through that way. And often I, I would just sit there, be stumped, and not know what to do. And he would he'd have the patience to wait and wait. And I, eventually I would say something, or he would offer a question, and then he would tell me a story that would be really applicable to what I'm going through and it would help me hear and understand the craziness of my thinking at the time, you know, and help me get, make some sense. And so that, that having that expert advice as someone who's been through it and, and has the access of, of thousands, tens of thousands of years of practice of these tools and, and wisdom. And so that was, that was crucial. And, um, yeah, so real quickly, on once I found the expert advice, some of the things that he had me do was, uh, one was make a list of my past relationships, both, you know, the, my wife at the time and previous girlfriends and, and what all those women had in common, what they, what their differences were. And, and this helped me see, I, you know, I never thought to do this before, but it was really simple and basic. And when I made that list, I had huge aha moments because it, it shed some light on the pattern that I had been repeating. And and also like what what all those women had in common or what they didn't have in common, and so th- this gave me a lot of um, insight as to what I had been doing um, relationship wise and why obviously it wasn't working. You know, I kept doing the same thing over and over again, and so this said, shed some light on it, and it, it filled me with hope and and empowerment to go forward. That 
the next relationship, I wouldn't repeat the same mistake. I, I finally learned the lesson. Ah, oh, okay, here's what I did before. Now I can, I'm aware of it. I'm looking for it. And so I know not to, when I recognize it, I can say, oh, hey, I've been there, done that before. That didn't work. Let's try something different. And then he also asked me some really basic questions, like, why did I marry my wife? Like, what what was it? And, and uh, you know, at first, I, I probably said some really superficial things, like, she's tall or... Uh, you know, she likes this or, you know, some just really shallow on surface stuff that didn't didn't mean a whole lot. And he, you know, and he reflected that back to me like, hey, you know, like he, he did. He dug and we dug and we eventually got to the, the reason I, I did marry her and, and why and didn't work out. And it was really helpful to see that that it had been mostly like my own fear of being alone and and. um Had gone into the marriage as kind of a codependent thing of um just kind of grabbing on to the first woman that came along and wanted to be with me almost out of like a desperation um versus a a coming to a relationship as a whole um integrated complete human being and and the two of us come together to be greater than the whole it was more like two corrupt and halved and and wounded people come together to try to make a whole person and of course that doesn't work. But I, you know, I didn't know that at the time. And it, it took a lot of um, work with my advisor to realize that and to understand what that means and how to do it. And, and um, yeah, so that, that, that could be a whole show in itself. Uh, and then also, you know, where did it go south? Where did the marriage start to fail? What was it that, that started to erode the um, bond, the, the, what, you know, and, and, and what could we have done differently? What could I have done differently? And that, that was, that was the huge next part of that is like, what was my part in the relationship? Um, the, the destruction of the relationship, what was I doing on a day to day or week to week or month to month basis that was continually, um, corroding that, that marriage. And I, I'd never thought to ask, I, you know, I was kind of in a victim blame mentality. She did this, she did that. Obviously it's her fault. And if she just had done something differently, we'd be, you know, it's like, well, that's, that may be true, but how does it help me? I, I, there's nowhere to go with that kind of mentality other than to wallow in my own self-pity and grief and and misery. And so we started to turn it around and ask what, what did I do that wasn't working and how can I do it differently going forward? What, how can I change my behavior, instead of trying to change her, what can I change in my own way of relating so that I have a better chance of having a successful relationship, having the outcome that I want? And so that was, that was huge. And it's, it's a really basic question. And, um, but also one that I never thought to ask. And so the, one of the second tools or, or huge things that I, I learned and, and um, was uh, this idea of now. My wife had walked out in October and then come December, I went to either a Thanksgiving or a, or a Christmas party and I was there and I was, I was feeling, you know, pretty bad and, and, and down on myself and, and, um, it's kind of the, the idea of holidays and people getting together and my marriage falling apart. It just felt like this, this clash. And, and, 
you know, this is supposed to be a happy time of coming together. And I just, I felt like I was falling apart and my marriage was falling apart. And, and I, I was talking to someone and, and telling them, you know, what was going on in my life. And, th- and this, this one guy I'd just met and he had this huge grin on his face and he's like, oh man, the reason you're, you're feeling that way is because you haven't read the power of now. I'm like, power of now, what is this? You know, I'd, I'd never... Uh, I didn't know anything about it. And he, he kept, and so like throughout the night, I think we talked off and on for an hour or so. And he kept telling me over and over, oh, well, you just need to read the power of now. You just, you know, you need to be present. And he, every time he had this huge smile and grin and just a real happy dude. And I was like, all right, you know, like his joy or his, his, his exuberance was infectious. And I'm like, all right, I'll read it. I'll check it out. And so I think the next day or, or later that week, I, um, I got a hold of a copy of the power of now and I started reading it. And, that introduced me to this idea of, of the past, the future, and the present, or the now. And and uh, it, I think it was one of those books where I, it was the chapters are short, and I'd read a couple pages, and and dig- and then put the book down, and then throughout the day try to digest what he had said, and then the next day I do the same thing. And that was uh, just a really cool and and um, for me amazing way to try to digest or grasp this concept of of now and the idea of a story in our minds or that we're like uh, uh, the movie of our life and we're the projectionist and and we're we often get caught up in um in the story without without actually realizing that it's that it's just the story and we can we can get out of the past and the future and and into the joy of the present and most of my misery as I was going through the divorce, as I'd gone straight to future, I'm going to be a loser. I'm finished. My, my future sex life is done. My future marriage life is done. I'm never going to have this. I'm, I'm going to be broke and homeless and nobody's going to want to be with me. You know, so the future in my mind was very dark and bleak. And that's why I felt so bad because I had all these thoughts about the future that were very, seemed very scary, very dark, very depressing. And, and as long as I was you know, essentially trying to be a weather forecaster and predict the future, uh, I was making myself miserable. And, and it was, I had to, this book was introducing me to that concept that I don't have to live in the future and, 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 and try to uh, have my crystal ball and predict all these negative things. I can instead, and by the way, none of those things turned out to be true. I, I sent, you know, I've had plenty of sex since then. I, I had plenty of dates and I am since remarried and have a, we have a wonderful, beautiful two-year-old son. And so like all of my future predictions were false and, and, it was, and the feelings behind them were a waste of time because I'm sitting here getting all depressed and scared and anxious and, and almost suicidal over fabrications, over some made up story. It's not true. It never happened. And it, it, you know, it's just in my mind. I was just creating my own misery. And, and it, so it took me a while to really unravel that and understand this idea of presence. And that was huge. And then, you know, the flip side of the future is the past. Like a lot of my, my future doom and gloom predictions were based on my past experience where I had a lot of anger and regret and uh, unforgiveness and, and all around confusion that you know, like I had, I had previous relationships where this had happened and then it turned out this way and it went bad and, and I was miserable for years. And so I was, I was scared that, oh my God, it's going to happen again. And and so I, I wasn't present in the, in the now, which is essentially, okay, right now 
I my I have a roof over my head. I have clothes on my back. I have some money in the bank. I have food. I I'm I'm my health. I'm you know I have everything a human being needs to be happy, right here right now. And as long as I I can stay present, as they say, with that truth, that's the reality. You know, all my needs are met. I'm I'm in perfect health. Everything is wonderful right now here in this moment. But if I can't see that, if I'm not able to grasp that, then what I, I end up going in the future in my mind or in the past in my mind where things are scary, dark, all this, even though none of that's happening right now, it just seems like it is. And so I'm essentially I'm this, this filmmaker creating these horror movies about my life that aren't happening, but they, they feel that way. The body doesn't know the difference between past, future, and now if our mind is playing this film of doom and gloom of bad things happening. It, it We feel it in our body as if it's really happening. In other words, we I forecast or I imagine that I'm suffering in the future, that I'm sad and depressed, and I feel sad and depressed now, even though that future event is not happening and it never did happen. And so that's a really powerful concept for me. And so the third... And the, I, these aren't exactly in um, the order if I discovered them. I, they're, I think they're pretty close to how I, I went through the process. They're all equally valuable and important. And depending on, for me, this this kind of, uh, this chronology kind of worked is that some of these built on the other and I was able to to get deeper into these tools and, and uh, the more powerful ways of, of uh, feeling better in my life. And, um, and so one of the, there's this one book about um, happiness uh, or, you know, like uh, kind of breaking down in, in some short anecdotal stories or stories about his own life, about what uh, basically kind of like a cookbook for what what leads to happiness or, or what what do happy, happy people do day to day that allows them to, to feel happy, to to be content and joyful and at peace with their life and their circumstances. And for most of my life, I had believed that happiness was about, um, like early on, kind of this peacock thing of like, oh, I'll get buffed, I'll you know, I'll be, I'll have this great body, I'll I'll be an athlete, I'll I'll win the trophies and the medals, and and have success and 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 look great um, naked or at a pool or whatever, and that that will be my uh, I'll get girls and I'll have lots of sex and then I'll be happy and and then later on I'll I'll uh have financial success you know I'll get rich I'll be able to buy the flash car and the big house and I'll have girls and then life will be great and I'll be happy and and that was my uh story about what happiness the equation for happiness and I had never even thought to question or even ask the question, will that make me happy? I just kind of assumed because that, that was the message I got from my community that if I did those things or followed that formula, that I would automatically be happy. And, or at least that's what you're supposed to do. And so that's what I did. And I found out, you know, the hard way through doing, trying all those things and not being happy. You know, I remember um, this one time I, or this one period of my life when I got in big into surfing. And I was able to surf uh, almost every day, and I, I I was in great shape. Like uh, my my chest and arms were buffed. I had a six pack. I was 
um, bronzed and, you know, tan and had long blonde hair. And I was, you know, I just, I, I could have been on the cover of a surf mag, I guess. And, and I, I went down to Vegas on a guy's trip with this, you know, this vibe thinking, oh man, I'm going to get lots of girls and all this and that. And, and that wasn't the case. You know, I, I, I still hadn't done any of the, the inner work of, of being able to communicate, you know, not, not just with girls, but just in period, I didn't know how to communicate or, or I had no inner awareness or inner connection to all my, um, my inner strength, you know? And so it, it was a very, uh, shallow way of living. And, and then, you know, on through life, I had various other experiences of that, that model for success of like get money and that'll, that'll be the ticket to happiness. And every time I had money or, or came into some money, it, it, that didn't, it didn't, I wasn't happy. It didn't equate that. Oh, I just made 10 grand or whatever. And I, I wasn't happy because of it. So I, I started to find out the hard way that this whole, um, fame and fortune kind of thing and, and rock star life didn't, didn't lead to happiness. And so when I found this, this book about happiness and I'll, I'll put the, um, title and, and the link in the show notes and, and, uh, but it was, a, it was a, just a sh- kind of a small, short little book and it had short stories, and, but they were really, the author seemed really genuine and really gentle. And, and the way he was telling these stories, really, I was able to connect with each one and see the wisdom in what he was saying. And uh, one of the one of the stories that really stuck with me or the statistic, he said it's something like people who have some kind of uh, faith or spiritual practice or some kind of uh, religious thing, it, you know, whatever it was, it didn't matter which practice or faith they had. But just the fact that they had some kind of belief system like that, they were I think the number was 35 percent happier. And, and so, you know, at the time I was not happy. I was feeling bad and down and sad and all these things. And, and so just this idea of really, if I, if I have some kind of faith or spiritual practice, I'll be 30% or 35% happier. I was like, man, I'm sold. I don't care if it's bullshit or if, if there is no higher, whatever you want to call it. I didn't care. I just wanted to be happier. And if I had to lie to myself or be delusional, that was fine. I'm totally okay with that because I just wanted, I wanted success. I wanted to be happier and I was willing to follow what worked. And so that, that, that really stuck with me and I'm glad it did. Cause at the time I had, I had gone, I'd grown up Catholic and I, I completely threw all that out and rejected it sometime in my, in my twenties. Yeah. I just completely went, uh, pretty much atheist. You know, there is no God F God. Like I don't, you know, like all that judgment and old Testament stuff and, and, uh, suffering and 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 do this and don't do that. It's just, uh, I was like, no, done. That doesn't work for me. And so I I had completely thrown that out and been uh, maybe for a decade until I read this book and saw that quote and I was like, well, maybe maybe I need to revisit this idea of of, of what's what what does this whole spiritual thing mean and and is there something there for me? You know, obviously there is. If if I can be thirty five percent happier. Then you know I, I approached it kind of from a scientific point of view of why is that, and I so I I wanted to, to kind of break that down and figure out instead of just dogmatically following something, I, I was I was really curious of of um what is it that that's going on there, and so that that started me on a on a process of exploring the, the some of the ancient traditions of of spirituality and the different practices and and trying to um, figure all that, see what it's all about, just going into it a very 
as, as a curiosity and, and a, as a beginner and, and be willing to um, explore the different traditions of, of spiritual practice to see, you know, well, what is it? Why, why do people like it? And, and, and trying to, to explore that without um, putting my judgments or having uh, anger or bias towards it, you know, just, just being really humble and, and saying, okay, I'm going to, let's, let's go to the, let's show up to one of these churches and see what they do. Or let's, let's try this whole meditation thing. And, and, and no matter how foolish or, or ridiculous I might feel, just let's give it a try and see if it works instead of, instead of judging it as bad or wrong or stupid or, or dumb or whatever, just try it and see what happens. And then, you know, like a scientist, like, okay, either it worked for me or it didn't and why, and then trying it again and keep, you know, very much doing it that way. And, and so I'm really grateful for that book because it, it opened me up to a whole another world of, um, understanding and and like the statistics said it like i i am so much happier now than I, when i use those spiritual tools especially things like meditation and being present and um connected to myself and to each other and to to nature and and so that that's kind of my definition of of what being spiritual is all about and uh so i'm really really uh glad that i i had the the good sense or the, you know, the, the, in, the intuitive gut feeling to give, give spirituality another try. So super grateful for that one. And so the next two or three kind of, um, blend together and, 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 uh, are all part of the same thing. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll start with communication and my first, uh, the real, instruction manual or operating system for communication that, that I discovered that was like, Oh my, I like, wow, like this is huge was uh, Marshall Rosenberg's book, nonviolent communication that, that opened me up to like this whole other way of looking at communication and, and also this idea of feelings and that uh, beneath the words, you know, the actual communicating part underneath whatever we're saying isn't, isn't as important as the feeling behind the words or what, what, you know, like there's the, that hidden language or what we're really saying is there's a feeling there. And then this ties into the, the other thing, which is common ground. And so if we get stuck in the, in the actual words of what this person is saying, we miss the feeling. And if we miss the feeling, then we miss the, the similarity or the chance to meet each other on uh, where we're alike, which is the common ground of feeling. We all have the same feelings even if we deny it or stuff it or make, try to make it go away, the, the feeling's still there. We aren't still feel sad or angry or depressed, scared, even if we don't feel it or express it, but it's there. And we all have that ability, you know, regardless of what language we speak or what words we use. And so, yeah, the Marshall, Marshall's book, The Nonviolent Communication, it really uh, helped me understand where my communication had been so... Um, ineffective or, or disempowering or flawed even, you know, it's just, I was, I was not communicating in a way that was working and, and he helped me understand why. And, and this idea of the feeling and that if I can reorient my communication and how I express myself, uh, starting with the feeling, then I, then I don't get trapped in these conflicts. You know, every conflict comes if we, if we get caught in, you said this and she said that and, and, or, you know, like, that's that's kind of the root of all conflict there. But if, if we go, okay, well, why why am I saying this? Well, what am I feeling? Am I angry or 
oh, I know what it feels like to be angry. I, I can understand anger. I might not agree with what you want or your solution, but I can definitely agree on, on what it feels like to be angry. And that's, that's where we can meet each other and say, oh, shit, we're both angry. Okay, man, that, what's that feel like? Man, my chest is really tight. I just want to smash something. I'm feeling pissed off. And like, yeah, man, I know how that feels. Man, that's frustrating. I just, when you get like all hot and you want to, ah, yeah. So that's, that's where we're talking about with common ground that we can, we can ha- speak that similar language, even if we don't use words, you know, body language, eye language, you know, motion, um, these kinds of things that the feeling is there. And, and the same, like when I was feeling really sad and anxious and scared like that, when, when my advisor was able to meet me there and he understood and was reflecting back, oh yeah, I hear you, man. And he was able to tell his own stories of how he felt when he felt scared or alone or sad and 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 so there was yeah really I felt heard that's what that's what we're talking about here is in in communication it's feeling heard like a lot of communication gets um is useless because we don't we don't take the first step of of actually hearing what the other person is saying and and both telling them you know reflecting back oh this is what I heard you say and then re- saying repeating it back to them so that they know oh yeah that person heard me they actually listened to what I was saying, and and they told me that they've heard, and so now I feel heard. And a lot of times, that that right there can can salvage any conflict or disagreement. Just just hearing, being heard. You know, we don't even have to like do anything after that, other than wow, I finally feel heard. These people actually care what I have to say, and they're listening. That that's that was for me. That was huge. Like for most of my life, I felt like I wasn't heard, that my voice was not welcome. Nobody gave a crap what I had to say. Didn't want to hear my feelings or or my ideas or what I wanted to do with my life or or in general, just shut up and get back to work or shut up and do what we tell you. That was kind of the message I got. And so this whole idea of, of, of healthy communication and a peaceful communication and, and both compassionate listening and really listening and hearing and being heard for the, it was like the first time in like my, my advisor kept saying to me, man, I think this is the first time you've been heard or, or you've never had this before. And so it's like, wow, it's, it's just this breath of, this breath of fresh air of finally feeling heard and, and, and knowing how to give that to other people in a way, you know, like a lot of times I had hurt somebody, but I, I went straight to trying to fix it or fix them or, or fix the situation or change them or offer advice and solutions and all this. In other words, I bypassed step number one, which is, I hear you. Here's what I heard you say. And, and, um, yeah. And so I highly recommend get, get that book, get that, you know, take, I've taken some of their workshops and, uh, the nonviolent communication workshops. And that was, that was a really, um, opening and real powerful tool there. And, uh, it, it, they have a, what's called an inventory or a list of feelings and that was huge too, because I didn't really know, like a lot of people say, I feel, and then they go on to state their opinion versus saying, I feel sad or I feel happy. They say, I feel you should go do this, you know, and that's, that's not a feeling. <laughs> that's telling somebody your opinion, um, which a lot of times nobody wants to hear, you know, they, so we, we go back to, to the feeling of I'm feeling this way. And, um, the other part of that, that was really huge was that, um, being able to state What's going on for me in a way that was indisputable? Nobody. So if I say I'm feeling sad, nobody can dispute that because nobody knows how I'm feeling except me. 
Whereas if I state my opinion or I, I give a lecture on that you should do this or here's the way the world happened and the sun went around the planets and, you know, anybody can offer up a, a rebuttal to that or, or disagree with it or say, oh, no, no, your facts are wrong. Here's blah, blah, blah. But if I say I'm feeling angry, well, there's, there's no, for me anyway, that's a very powerful way of being completely honest in a way that, that there's no, I, even if somebody has some response telling me, oh, you don't have a right to be angry or you're this or that, I can still feel more comfortable because I spoke the truth that I know absolutely that's how I'm feeling in that moment. And so that was, that was a really powerful um, re, relearning how to communicate in a way that, that I could go into any difficult or, or challenging or a hard conversation meeting or, or confrontation and be able to, to finally speak in a way that, that felt good and, and uh, it took the, a lot of the fear and the anxiety out of saying something that might be um, uh, confrontational, you know, but if I go in with, I am feeling this way or, or, Hey, here's how I'm feeling or here, here's, here's what I'd like to do. Or, or if, if somebody's saying something to me or I can say, would you like a suggestion? Would you like some feedback? And that way I'm, the, the other part of that is asking their permission before just saying, you should do this or you should do that or go do this or, oh, you're doing it wrong. What's wrong with you? Jesus Christ, you're a fucking idiot. You know, like that, that's the very violent way of communication that I grew up with. And that seems to be um, societal, you know, it's, it's cultural and it seems to be um, highly uh, prevalent and, and taught that that's how we're supposed to communicate. And, uh, and so going, going the other way of, of very personalizing it. And this is, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I think this is, this is what I would like to do. And it's an invitation to explore versus a demand or a commandment. You need to do this or else kind of a thing. Yeah. So really, really powerful for me. I, I highly recommend exploring the idea of communication and feelings and um, the, you know, peaceful, content, uh, collaborative, cooperative, uh, coming together way of communication. All right. So um, I was kind of four, five, and six. And number seven is is very similar to uh, those three, uh, but it's it's a little, little, little variation here of listening for the feelings behind the words. And essentially what this is, is, is often if, if uh, we find ourselves in a um, hostile or, or a conflictual disagreement argument, um, or someone's obviously upset and they're, and they're running on what they, a, uh, a monologue of, of this, that, and the other, you should do this, or you did that, or I can't, you know, what, it doesn't matter what they're saying, but if, if we tune into the feeling behind what they're saying, we can, we can, um, Are, there's a certain, we'll get a, an intuitive or gut feeling or hunch about how to respond to this person in a more effective, more powerful way. Whereas if we just listen to the words, then we'll start, in our head, we'll start mounting a defense or we'll start picking apart and finding why they're wrong or, or ways to counterattack. Kind of, you know, it goes into a very combative, um, uh, divisive way of, of relating. And so if we can tune into the feelings behind the words, then we can we can get to the root of of why they're complaining or why they're they're on this kind of um, 
soapbox kind of thing. And, and, and usually if we ask some, some questions, we can probe a little bit and, and, uh, and sometimes the, the best thing to do is to say nothing and just, just listen. And, and then when they're done, you say, Oh, is there, I hear you. Anything else? You got anything else? And, and maybe they'll say some more, blah, 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 blah. And then eventually you'll get to the point where they have run out of words and they get it all out. And then that's all you have to do. Cause then, then they're done and they're like, Oh, I got it all out. Like, Nobody interrupted me. No one tried to tell me I'm wrong. And, and then so they get it out and, and then you can move on. And it, instead of if we were to like rebut and tell them how they did this wrong or that wasn't true or you should not, uh, you know, then it just continues because, again, they don't feel heard. And so it's it's really um, powerful to um, get underneath and, and really tune in to. Um, and, and I found that often when... It, some like the words people are using are often 180 degrees from what what's really going on the feelings behind the words what's a good example of that ah yeah i was going to go out of the house for a while to to do uh go to my martial arts class and the the feedback i was getting was oh you know you you can't go or when are you going to be back or you, you need to leave here or that and, and it seemed like i was it was being questioned what I was doing. And, and at the same time, I, I just had a hunch that that wasn't really what was being asked or what was being said. And what was, what was really going on is there was some, she was feeling um, just kind of overwhelmed and afraid that she was going to be alone and, and have to deal with a whole bunch of stuff on her plate. And, and it was more like, kind of like she wasn't taking care of herself. And, and so seeing me take care of myself was, was uh triggering that in her and but she you know she wasn't saying that and 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 so i just stuck with this this word i you know like oh hey honey how how you feeling like it sounds like it sounds like you're feeling are you feeling lonely or you know are you i'm hearing that you're you know you scared like what's going on I, instead of rebutting and saying oh you you do this or you don't do that or i i i deserve this i already told you i can go but you know if i would have done that i would have been in this argument but i stayed with the just my kind of hunch of what she was feeling. And eventually she felt safe enough to share what she was feeling. And we got, you know, we got to the root of what was going on. And then it was, you know, connection. Like I, I knew how that felt because I had, I felt lonely and abandoned, overwhelmed. And, and like, I, 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 it's too much, you know, like it's, I felt overwhelmed or um, like there's not enough time to take care of myself and all these other things. And it just feels like, ah, you know, so I, I, I know how that feels and we were able to connect there. And it was a, it was a really sweet and touching and intimate and, and, you know, and, and kind of, we, we were able to hug it out and like, oh yeah, I know how that feels versus like screaming at each other and slamming doors and leaving angry and, and pissed off. We, it, we were able to leave feeling connected and heard and loved. And, and so that's, that's just a, a small example of, of how listening for the feeling behind the words is, is very powerful and so crucial to uh, healthy relationships. And so tying tie in with that, the next one um, is the idea of, of this too shall pass or, or what some of the spiritual traditions call the, like the dark night of the soul. And, and sometimes this can be a really lengthy like months or years kind of thing or you know, just a five minute kind of a deal where, you know, the idea of like something really scary or traumatic or challenging comes on us 
and it's it's easy to get caught up in it and ha- and it seems like oh wow this is all encompassing this is how it's going to be for the rest of my life and eternity and this is how it always was and 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 so it seems like it it's never going to end so if we can recognize that hey this too shall pass everything changes seasons the rotation of the earth the planets it it all keeps moving keeps changing and and flows and so if we can just take a deep breath and 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 get a, a kind of a wider view of okay this this will pass it's always darkest before the dawn kind of a thing and 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 that things will get better or i will feel better about what is going on here and and uh and that that's a really not only that but often these things that seem really bad and scary when they're, when we're in it turn out to be, you know, like my divorce, it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me because I got all these gifts and tools and woke me up and, and gave me um, a chance to live a a much richer and fuller life that I, that I was not living before that. But I, I needed to go through this real dark period in order to come out the other side with, with a new understanding and a new awareness and all these uh, tools to, to take on even more and to feel good about it and to be comfortable or feel comfortable in any situation, or at least, um, be able to, to go into the situation instead of running from it. Cause I feel more, um, prepared. And so that was, um, you know, really helpful. Uh, you know, some of those days when a, a wave of grief would just overcome me and I, I get caught up in, man, this is hard. I, I don't like doing this inner work and feeling lonely and like nobody cares. And, and my, my wife left me and I'm a loser. Like, you know, that kind of inner monologue or, or feeling or thoughts would take me over. And, and, and then I'd catch myself, oh, I'm, I'm playing this future prediction thing. Like, Hey, okay. I'm, I'm, how does it feel? Shit. It's scary. Like, I don't like being scared, you know, uh, anxious. Wow. I don't like hanging out with that one either. Like that. Fuck that man. Being anxious. Like that's whew, get me the fuck out of here. But if I, you know, just it'll pass, like just stay with it. How does it feel? Oh man. I'm like, I've got this, this like ner- this tingling in my belly and my, my digestion feels off and um, I got, you know, I just, I'm shaking and I want to run away and uh, I'm, oh, okay. <sighs> Deep breath. Okay, it's okay. We can handle this. We got this. It's let's see. Let's stay with it. Like, okay, I'm how else am I feeling? Oh man, I'm feeling really tight. I'm hunched over. I'm holding my breath. Okay, how about Okay. Take it okay. Can we straighten up a little? Oh, okay. What look around. What is there uh oh wow, look at that sunset. Oh, that bird just flew by. Wow, you know, like anything to to snap us out of that delusion that we're we're caught in or that, that cycle of of um, negative thinking and, and doomsday predicting, you know, that, that there's something in the moment, you know, like Eckhart Tolle talks about, you can feel the aliveness in our hands. And sometimes it's just as simple as closing my eyes. And if I gently and slowly rub my fingers together, I can, I can feel what he's talking about, that aliveness in the hands. And it brings me present. And I, I go from all the stuff about the future and being worried and able to come right back to, Oh, Hey, I'm all my needs are met. I'm, I'm safe. I'm, you know, just think about the hands for a moment, like all this dexterity and these muscles and these bones and the na- nerves and 
how is it I'm able to move these fingers and, and pick up these tools and do all these amazing things with my hands? Like, this is amazing. Just, just the fact that I'm alive and able to move my body is incredible. It's just, I can look out and see all these amazing things and my voice can change and do all these different uh, octaves and, and pitches and it, you know, my tongue and my mouth and my teeth can all work together to produce this sound and sing and hum and yell and incredible. Like what, what, this is amazing gift that, you know, and to be able to just sit here and witness all this is amazing, you know? And so it's connecting with that, that truth, that reality and, and, uh, that will pass whatever is good or bad too. Like, you know, the good, that's the other thing. The flip side is, you know, we're feeling great, elated, uh, stoked, you know, like super pleasurable experience. And okay, that's going to pass too. You know, we go back to kind of a a neutral or just hanging out and then even go and, you know, maybe to the uh, darker emotions or sadness, grief. And and again, it'll all pass and we'll come. And it's, so it's very much, you know, being a surfer for me, the surfing metaphor of like, you know, here comes a wave and it passes through us. We might ride it for a while or we might get wiped out. And then it, it, that energy dissipates and, and turns into, the foam and then it hits the shore and then it goes back into the sea and then another wave comes or the ocean goes flat for a while or it gets really big and scary and it goes back to flat. So it's, it's this, this ebb and flow and, and constant movement and it all passes and all comes and goes. And, it and, and, and much like surfing, it's about enjoying the ride or, or finding the joy that's there and being able to see it and appreciate it and, and have a good time regardless of whether we're getting a great ride or having a horrible wipeout, you know, it's all part of this amazing experience called life. And so that, that brings us to the the next one here, which is the idea that everything is for my good, that, that even apparent negativity or wrongness or, um, not supposed to happen, all those kinds of things that, that taken a, a step back and, and the idea that, there's something here for me. And, and part of one of the, the exercises or practices to do that was to go, go back in history of my own, you know, my personal history, my life so far and, and, and analyze what had happened, all, all these apparent negative things and, and be like, okay, what did I learn in that situation? And, and even though that might've been a hard, hard thing to go through, what was the, the, um, the lesson or the the learning that I got out of that, what, you know, would I be willing to give that up or how, how much different would my life be if I didn't learn that lesson? Like, you know, how valuable is that lesson for me? You know, Uh, and maybe it's as simple as the basic thing of like learning to walk like my son's too. And I recently, you know, got to see him go from not even being able to sit up to being able to sit up, to being able to hold his head up, to crawling, to walking, to running and through all all those steps he fell a lot he fell a lot and skinned himself hurt himself banged his head like all that there's tons of falling and getting hurt involved in learning to walk and run and and so it was really cool to see that and and the you know the the point of the story there is that like we're always gonna have these bumps and falls and it's part of the process of learning and you know like how imagine if we none of us learn to walk, you know, that's part of the process. Like how amazing is it to be able to walk and run and, and, and expecting to be able to walk and run without falling, without taking some bumps along the way is, is, um, unrealistic. And so it's about getting in alignment with the reality of this, this world. And that there are some bumps in the road that we're going to trip and fall occasionally. And, you know, it's like, there's that famous saying of fall down seven 
get up eight. And that's how my son learned how to walk. That's how all of us learn to walk. That's how I learned to, to go through divorce and reconnect with my emotions and, and have more integrity and have a more emotional uh, intimacy was, was by, you know, theoretically falling down or, or the metaphorically falling down and then getting back up, you know, trying again. One of the things that's really been helpful for me is when something feels really hard or bad, or I'm like, man, why is this happening to me? Instead of, instead of saying it as a complaint, say it as a question. Why, why is this happening to me? What, what good is there for me here? What, what is like the, one of my teachers, Michael Beckwith says, what is, what is trying to emerge here? And that, that's, that's flipping, like they say, flipping the script or, or um, shining some light on the darkness is is by asking more empowering questions instead of asking um, the questions just lead us to get stuck and oh why poor me I can't believe this is happening why I'm so uh, nothing good ever happens to me it's been so bad oh this again I'm in this crappy you know it's like flipping it around like again wow this is happening again there must be something really important here for me to learn I wonder what it is and making ourselves available to learn the lesson so that. We don't have to keep repeating. We don't have to keep falling down. We can actually get up and run for a while, you know. So that that's the um, that's the process. And so that that idea that everything is for my good, and that this falling down and tripping actually there's there's a benefit here that I will learn how to run and walk and do all these other amazing things by going through these apparently bad situations. The good will automatically come and and in hindsight i'll be able to see oh yeah that was for my good i am super grateful for the experience so this is kind of the what my mentor would call the big league stuff coming up here the um when we get into the idea of of healthy relationship or right relationship and what what that means and what that looks like and uh this idea that it starts with the relationship we have with ourselves. And when I first heard that, I, you know, it sounds like multiple personality or schizophrenia or like, why, why, you know, I'm talking to myself. How do I relate to myself? I remember hearing Marshall Rosenberg say, oh, when he was feeling bad or something, he gave himself some empathy. And I'm like, how do I give myself empathy? Like, what the hell is that all about? I, I need to get empathy from other people. That's who gives me empathy. And so learning it, this other way that I can give myself empathy. And there's a, there's a process of doing it where I, I feel empathetic in the way that kind of works for me and, or does work for me. And, and the way it was explained to me is, is seeing the, you know, that all the inner feelings and, and moods that I have in my, inside myself are essentially like a village uh, or a tribe of of people with these different characteristics and personalities. I got the angry one, the sad one, the the uh, happy one. The you know, kind of like that that Pixar movie Inside Out, where there's these different parts of myself. And and when I'm feeling sad, I can give empathy to that part of myself that's feeling sad by the same way I would to someone else. I can I can give myself a a um, a kind of a not sure what the best way to describe it. Not not necessarily virtual, but kind of an imaginary or or hug to this this part of myself. And and it's I essentially feel empathy for this part of myself that's sad. And I'm like, what is oh man, sad. That that's no fun. Like, oh man, here, let me give you a big hug. And yeah, I got you. I got this. Like 
it's okay. And just, you know, kind of pretend like I'm, I'm hugging that part of myself and, and giving that part of myself a pat on the back and a reassuring squeeze. And like, it's, Hey, it's going to be okay. I, I'm here for you. You don't have to go through this alone. It's okay to feel sad. Uh, it's, it's, it's all right. I hear you. Anything else you want to share? I'll, yeah, I hear you. And, and that's, that's kind of the process that works for me of, of giving empathy to myself or whatever else I need or the part of me that's angry, like, oh, fuck, man, I hear you, brother. Yeah, that, that, that was fucked up. What that person did is bullshit. I totally hear you. And I agree, man. Fucked up. I got you, brother, man. I'm, I'm going to take care of this. It's okay. <sighs> you know, deep breath. And, the, and so this concept of I don't have to give, uh, like my mentor said, give the keys to you know, this body, this vehicle, uh, and let the angry one go berserk and, and act in a fucking crazy way. I don't have to do that. I can say like, like you take the keys away from someone who's drunk and, and put them in your pocket and say, I got it. You know, I'll give you a ride home or you can stay here or it's okay. I'm, but you're not driving. Okay. You can, you can be a drunk asshole and a wreck and, and want to do all these things, but I'm not giving you the keys, you know, and I, but I got you. I got your back. I, anywhere you want to go, you want some food, you need some water. What, what do you need? I, I'm happy to give it to you. I'm here for you. We're going to go through this together, whatever you want. I got your back. So that, that's the kind of that process of healthy relationship with myself. And then from there, it's, it's relating to other or to the other individuals, which, you know, in the, in the spiritual traditions they say there is no separation and so that's kind of how we get there is this idea that we start within and then to the people around us and to the world and to nature and we're able to have a healthier harmonious in sync um experience and and connection with everyone and every realize that there is no thing or separation that we're all in this together and we're all connected in in ways that we don't always see and so that that kind of ties into now that we've we work you know we do the inner work on ourselves and we get healthy and we we have awareness and and connection with all these different parts of ourselves and then when we get into a romantic relationship or marriage now we're relating to that person the same way we relate to the village inside ourselves and so that's that's where this um uh John Wellwood wrote this book and 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 um I th- I think he's the one who's credited with this idea that relationship is a vehicle for spiritual growth. The the idea that seeing relationship and all its challenges and difficulties as kind of a school or or like a dojo or this advanced, really um, big league, you know, like this is the pros of relationship. This, this is the, the Super Bowl, the world series, the, the NBA championships, the, the Stanley cup all rolled into one, you know, the, the, like the, uh, the cage match of of all cage matches is marriage, and this is where we really do the heavy lifting and have this amazing uh, growth. Is because we're in close contact with this other person every day for years, and it, and it brings up all this stuff. We have, you know, like there's my mentor tells me the saying of it's the friction that polishes the stone, and, and this idea that when two people come together, they rub up against each other, and there's gonna be friction. It's it's guaranteed. And so in my first marriage, I didn't have that view of it. I was like, oh, marriage, now all my problems are solved. I don't have to do anything. It's going to be great. I'm going to be loved and cared for and have all this sex and feel great and wonderful. It'll be amazing. You know, it's no, no, that's, 
sure, a lot of that's in there, but that's not how it went. You know, that all this shit came up, all my stuff came up and it was hard. But I, you know, and, and both my wife and I saw it as a problem. And, and, and this is, you know, as if marriage is this fairy tale that's supposed to be perfect. And if something is wrong or there's a hardship or difficulty that, you know, it's not that we're doing something right. No, it was, we were doing something wrong. And that means we need to get divorced. We're married to the wrong person, all that kind of garbage. And so this, this idea of relationship and healthy relationship as spiritual growth and the idea that there are going to be bumps in the road, there are going to be challenges, and these are good things, that, that the only place these, these real rough spots that we have can be polished or can come to the surface is in the safety of a relationship that's, that's committed and intimate. It's by agreeing to stay together, we feel safe enough to show all these rough edges to each other, and then we can sign up, polish them and sand them down and, and, and find a way to, be, uh, to heal them and to be more harmonious with all these parts of ourselves and this stuff and each other's stuff. And so, yeah, so that, that idea really, um, helped me and prepared me for future relationships. It's like, Oh shit. You know, like it, going into it, expecting there to be some trauma and, and bumps in the road and difficulty. Um, and, and seeing that as something I'm doing something right instead of I'm doing something wrong or seeing it as a, as a, as a opportunity to heal and to grow and in an opportunity to find a solution to something that I've been struggling with for years. So that was really empowering to see all relationships and especially marriage in that way. And, um, yeah. So like, I mean, that, that was a real deep book for me, his, and that idea. And it was, it was a, a ch real challenge to really grasp that concept. And I, I, there, um, I know 10 years ago, maybe, you know, especially 20 years ago, I couldn't, I couldn't have even read that book or, or taken in any of that information or just the way he was talking was so, it seemed so like woo woo and airy fairy, all that kind of stuff. And I wouldn't have been able to, to understand any of it. Or I'd be like, this guy's fucking nuts. Like, shut the fuck up. You know, that would have been my attitude if I would have come across that information 20 years ago. But like, you know, hearing it when I was ready for it, really, I was like, oh, Wow this guy is saying some really amazing things and it, it made a lot of sense. And that, um, yeah, so that was, that was amazing. And then, uh, to tie into that, the, along with healthy relationship and, and figuring out what to do right. Instead of, um, um, there's all these, uh, couples counseling and relationship and how to, how to be in healthy relationship and do marriage in a, in a healthy way. And there's, there's several, um, famous authors and and they have workshops and books and a, a huge following and and i i i learned something from all of them and that and this idea of relationship as spiritual growth ties into um this one of them that has this what's called the amago theory which is the idea that um we are unknowingly or unconsciously seeking a partner who has the same qualities as our parents or caregivers or guardians so that in other words the same pattern or the same the same people that wounded us in childhood are the people we're gonna whether we like it or not whether we know it or not those are the people we're going to end up in relationship with and and so our our unconscious our our spirit or whatever you want to call it our soul is trying to heal that wound by putting us in relationship with people who have the same qualities as those people that hurt us so that we can have a different outcome. We can learn how to navigate that particular situation in a healthier way. And, and so when I, we, my 
my current wife and I went to um, couples counseling for, and did a session of this Imago where he walked us through this uh, kind of role play of, of um, hearing us and, and basically walked walk, kind of walked us through a traumatic event or a traumatic way of relating that I had grown up with. And by walking us through it, I, I had this huge aha moment of like, oh, wow, that's how it would feel to really be loved and valued. And instead of feeling like I'm worthless and, and feeling shamed and criticized, I, I, I could have do it differently. And this is what it would feel like if it was healthy and a, and a welcoming and loving response to whatever the situation was. And so like in my upbringing anger was i got a lot of anger and rage and and it was explosive and volcanic and and so like that you know like i would do something or just my being my just my presence would set off this this volcanic eruption of rage and anger and and, and so he, he walked us through it and instead of getting that i got a a a, a healthy response of oh so that's what you're doing and and tell me more about it how how are you feeling and and i hear what you're saying and 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 uh, and so it was instead of this real angry, violent response to whatever I was doing, I got a, a real present and aware of like, oh, okay, I hear you, I hear what you're saying. Oh, that's very interesting. Thank you for sharing. I I got your back. I I it's okay for you to say that and to be that way. And 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 so it was a huge aha, and also explained for me that my past relationships and why I had difficulty or why I kept running into this same. Um, difficulty of like these angry people kept showing up in my life because I hadn't learned how to handle an angry person. I didn't know what to do or how to say. My default defense was to shut down and go silent, and like you know, like turtle in a shell to try to ride out this this volcanic eruption and, and until it passed and and could come out safely. And so that was really um, helpful for me and, and powerful. And, and, uh, it just gave me a taste and it made a lot of sense. And so now when I, in my, when I go into, when I want to have a difficult situation or a challenging issue in relationship, I go back to the, okay, this is, this is something trying to emerge here, trying to heal and help me, give me a new tool to deal with this situation. And, and if I, the only way I can get good at using this tool or learn how to use it is through practice. You know, I can't learn how to handle, um, anger or how to be comfortable around anger without practice. I need to be around angry people until I get it. And so I kept get angry people kept showing up in my life, like really just volcanic, grumpy, like miserable, angry people kept coming into my life until I finally learned a healthier way to respond or not, or just be neutral around this, this really volcanic anger. And, and so that was really powerful. And, and, and so any, future things that come up. I, that, I try to keep that in mind. And that's the practice of like, okay, this is for my good. This is going to give me a new tool for a healthier relationship. And then the, to tie into that is also the, the, um, I, you know, the, the idea of the same actor or, or, um, persona or person in, in, um, uh, in a different, or the, you know, the same underlying, behavior in a different form or you know the i get the angry person with a different wig or a different body or or a different gender or uh you know it, it's going to keep showing up i can divorce all the people in the world cut out all the people in my life but I, the new people are going to show up or i'm going to just be angry at a rock you know like some something else is going to feel angry to me 
until I learn how to deal with anger. It, you know, that's the, this idea that it's for our good. The universe wants us to learn these things so that we can be comfortable with them. In other words, the, the kind of two ways of approaching life. One is to try to get rid of everything that we don't like, make everything we don't like go away, make everything we don't like, lock it up, kill it, destroy it, get rid of it. There's that way, which is like, you know, good luck. Good luck getting rid of everything that bothers you. Like, I've tried that. It doesn't work. So the flip side is to get comfortable, to feel at ease and content and safe with everything in life, all of life, no matter what it is, instead of having a judgment about it being wrong or bad, to understand it or at least be comfortable with not understanding. And that that's a much more empowering way to be in this world and in life and relationship is to, to have comfort with everything. And that, that doesn't mean I have to sit around and, and be with grumpy, angry people every day. But yet when I am around that, I can be okay with it. I can recognize it for what it is. And I have options. I can say, you know what? I've done this. I don't need it anymore. I'm going to go take a 20 minute break or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go take the day off or I'm going to go somewhere else and, and, I don't need to be around this anymore. I've I've been around anger. I I know what to do. I know what it is. Like so, no thanks, you know. And and so I can take that break, or I can come back, or I can say, you know what? If if you want to be angry and that's your thing, then I don't need you in my life. I I've I already have this anger thing figured out. So um, I'm gonna hold up the stop sign and say no, thank you. Uh, if you want to relate in a different way, I'll be happy to uh, work with you and be with you. But if you're gonna do this rage thing, I am gonna either you know hang up the phone. I'm gonna leave the room. I'm gonna move. You know whatever it is, I'm just not gonna welcome that in my life anymore. Yeah, so healthy relationship. Uh, and so with my my wife and I, you know, on my second marriage, which I'm in now, and and I'm hopeful and and committed to it being the the only marriage and my final marriage in this lifetime. And and uh, what what helps me do that, and what has helped me stay in this marriage and want to get married again in the first place, is all the um, relationship advice and tools and wisdom that I've been fortunate enough to be uh, given. And I'm, I'm super grateful for all of this and it's been a huge help and it's very empowering and a fun way to a really fun approach to relationships instead of being, you know, scared and frustrated and, and, and feeling hopeless. I, I can go to these tools and, and, and get excited about having uh, the, the new opportunity to, to grow and to work on being a, uh, uh, bringing the best, my best self to the table and to the relationship and to the world and to life. And probably the most powerful one for me is um, a man by the name of Gottman wrote uh, a lot of uh, really powerful relationship books. And he, his, his thing is that he had this love lab, which is essentially like a, a, a you know, the, the, the analogy of like a lab rat where you study, uh, people in this case, he essentially brought in a bunch of couples and just observed uh, how they relate and and very scientifically, very uh, statistically observed what was going on, how they talked, how they relate, the things they say. And and over decades, he he saw patterns, and it was uh, the patterns were uh, very systematic, very revealing and that, that he got to the point where he could predict, I think it's like 90 something percent, 94% accuracy, whether or not a couple is going to 
uh, get divorced, whether they have, whether they're going to be relationship masters or relationship disasters. And he came up with these four things that people do in relationship that is destructive and is, is with 94% accuracy, uh, guaranteed to lead to divorce. And in my own relationship experience, I found that in my first marriage, I, we had all of these things and it obviously led to divorce. So I, you know, my own experience is that this stuff is, is, um, huge and reliable and I, I trust it and, and, um, count on it. And in my, you know, and in my marriage, my second marriage now, when I see these things, I'm like, oh, there it is. need to need to do it differently or I'm going to end up in the same divorce boat I was before. And so, um, you know, really powering. Um, so that, yeah, re- read all those books. I mean, he's got great audio books and workshops and, and all that. And the, like the, the four horsemen, as he calls it, which is, uh, disgust, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. And I, I'm definitely guilty of doing all of those. And, uh, especially the stonewalling, which is essentially going silent, withdrawing, retreating, trying to um, hide out and, and weather, what's, weather this storm, so to speak, rather than, than confronting it or staying in it and, and keeping the relationship going. Um, and so I really, I really have to work on that one. And then I also have defensiveness. That's huge for me. I really, when somebody is, what I feel is, being criticized. If I feel I'm being criticized or I, I hear some contempt or disgust, I, I, re- I really want to go into defense and, and, and prove my case to them of why they're wrong. You know, why their attack or their contempt or disgust is bad and shameful and they shouldn't be doing it. And here's the reasons, A, B, C, D, E, why they're wrong. You know, that that's defensive. I want to make my case that I'm I'm great and I'm right and I'm all this and they're wrong and bad and they shouldn't be treating me this way. And while all that may be true, the defensiveness is not helping. And so that that's that was a, I, a big wake up for me is to really be aware of when I'm being defensive and um and 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 switch more to curiosity and and going back to one of the earlier um lessons or or points of is to listen for the feelings behind the words. And and so if they're saying I'm lazy or I'm a bum or I'm whatever the 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 attack is to to reflect back oh i hear you're saying i'm lazy I, that's interesting tell me tell me more about this what you know in other words to try to get to the root of what what they're really saying and 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 it, you know if we stay in that kind of curiosity and and willing to hear what the person has to say we can um get underneath the criticism or the harsh words and really hear what what the feeling is or what's really going on and and uh, uh that's that's a much more um healthy and powerful way to relate than, than going into combat and, and putting on my armor and trying to, um, counterattack and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, that, that one's really helpful. Uh, yeah, I really like Gottman. Uh, everything I've heard is really, um, works for me. And then Imago, I already mentioned that, that was, a, um, a really, uh, eye-opening one for me. And then, uh, Sue Johnson wrote a book called hold me tight. And if, if I remember correctly that there's a, I think it's called EFT emotionally focused therapy. And, and that ties into the, the nonviolent communication and feelings and, and, and the idea of the, the words 
and how we act are 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 just symptoms or or pointers to a, a deeper feeling. And and if we keep our attuned to the feeling and and try to focus on the feeling and express the feeling and communicate how we're feeling and listen to what others are feeling, then we can find that common ground and and, ha- and build that intimacy instead of going to conflict and staying stuck in conflict or disagreement or rebuttal or fighting and all that stuff. And so, yeah, that, there's a lot of, she has a lot of case studies too, where she um, re kind of tells the story or, or retells the story of, of couples and the fights they kind of get in, or they the dynamic of how the, the wife usually does a certain acts a certain way and then the husband responds a certain way and vice versa. And I was able to see myself in many of those um, examples in my first marriage and in my current marriage. And it's really helpful to see others stuck in the same thing. And, and it, it, it was very insightful for me to be able to see myself there and also see the solution and how I can do it differently. And, and uh, so I found that very empowering. And she also in the beginning of that book, there was a lot of stuff about orphans and this idea of um, how emotions are more important than the physical. That, that, in other words, we can have like our need for food and shelter and clothing and that kind of thing can be met, and yet we'll still suffer and get sick and die if we don't have love, if we don't have um, emotional connection and emotional intimacy and affection and and love and touch and things of this nature. And and so she talks a lot about how the orphanage is like they took care of the child's physical needs. They fed them, they clothed them, they housed them, but they completely neglected the emotional. They didn't, there was no touch. There was no love, affection. They weren't uh, listening and, and caring for these kids the way a, a loving mother or father would do or a village or a tribe would do. And the, and the, it's the children suffered disastrous health consequences and they were they just, it was, a, it was, you know, just a horrible way to live. And so that was really eye opening for me. And, 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 uh, you know, it kind of told me what I already knew that, 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 um, the so-called tough love and this idea that if we, um, are, mean or kind of, you know, tough to somebody that that'll, that'll somehow strengthen them. And then what, what Sue Johnson kind of found is exactly the opposite that when we are loved, so loved and feel so loved and given so much affection and, and compassion and, and heard and, and feel seen and all these things that we become resilient and we feel so safe in that environment that we have the courage to go out and and try the world and explore and feel safe doing it because we know we're loved, we know we're valued, we have this home base to come back to or to draw from when we go out into the world. Whereas if we don't have that, if all we have are these tough, cold, um, disconnected kind of experiences growing up, then we'll feel insecure and unsafe through throughout most of our life, and it's really hard to heal that wound. And and so that that was a very powerful and opening to me, um, just crucial that the the emotional realm that the, how much that affects our well being and and the importance of love and affection both both self love and affection and giving and receiving it with others and and the importance of tribe like that you know that really planted the seed that this whole concept of tribe and really having each other's backs 
and standing by each other no matter what, like real unconditional love, that that, that is where it's at. And that, that is what builds strength and, and healthy communities and um, gives people the, the resolve and the resources to survive and thrive. And, and, and so that was um, really, really empowering. And I really enjoyed uh, learning that and hearing about that. And so we, we, in our relationship journey, we go, you know, from self to uh, couple, you know, in an in intimate couple relationship. And then the brand going out from there to, to family and tribe and, and community. And uh, the, my advisor uh, explained it to me this way, this idea that the ocean, a healthy ocean is fed from many streams. And I know in my first marriage, I had this kind of the one idea or, you know, you complete me and that I just need one woman and, you know, get married to one woman who will give me everything and then life will be great and perfect. And, and all my needs will be fed from this, this one person. And, and, uh, whereas our ancestors and, and tribe and, and all of this had, had the, the opposite thing that no no it's not this one person we need a whole community that that we are the ocean in order to be fed we need many streams and and just from a practical application you know like in my own relationships i've had the experience where my partner is upset with me or they're gone maybe they go on a trip or they're um they have something they need to do and and they're busy or or uh you know whatever it is where where i can't necessary or maybe it's beyond their level of expertise they don't have any wisdom there and they even if they want to help me they can't because they don't know and so this idea that like there's no real safety or or practicality by trying to get everything from this one person we need village we need tribe we need community where we can draw on this wealth this richness of people and and get fed and get our needs met from from the village and so like if it and that that feels safe to us. That's how we evolved and that's how we're built or designed or um, created to function is in that tribe and that pack and that community. And uh, yeah, I, I sure feel safer when I'm in a, a community that I feel like I have my back. They have my back, you know, and if one person dies, it's not the, the end of the world. Or if I get divorced, it's not the end of the world. I have this tribe to lean on if, you know, like in, in the days of hunting and gathering, you know, you had warfare, you had attack from predators and, and someone might die and it would, you know, your, your spouse might be killed, but then you still have the village and you know, you're going to be okay, even though there's going to be grief and, and it's hard and, but you've got this village to lean on, to draw from for support and, and, uh, You know, I, I grew up thinking that was weakness, that, that if we're somehow, if we need a tribe, our community, there's something wrong with us. You know, we're supposed to be like John Wayne or Clint Eastwood, you know, the, the lone wolf kind of thing of out there doing it on our own, not needing anyone and self-reliant. And that's all, in my experience, that's a crock of shit and, and it doesn't work like you know, try try to go live in the woods by yourself for a while, and you can see real quick how fucking hard it is. You know, or try getting to work on your feet without without a bus that all these people built, or without a car, or without roads, or without all this other 
you know, food. How many of us grow our own food? We need a supermarket. How many hands are involved in that? You know, or even the farmer's market. Even if we do grow our own food and we're this living this homestead thing, you know, two people trying to do all this shit, all this work is ridiculous. It's hard. Really, really hard. You know, it's always been tribe, village. Many hands make light work. That That's the way we're designed and how we evolved to live. And hunter-gatherer tribes and bands that, you know, it's, to to deny that is insanity. That it's just it's a biological and historical fact. That's how we grew up. That's how all our ancestors lived. And so then it brings the question like why have we gotten rid of that? Why have we let that go? Or maybe ask another way, what what it is what is our current modern way of life working? How is it working? You know? Pick pick any modern way of doing things and, and just Say, okay, is that working? How was it done before? Did that work? And so why why are we doing it this way? Like, you know, for example, transportation. We're all driving around cars that are burning oil and destroying our environment and causing uh, dirty air and land and water. Why, why the fuck are we doing that? Like, where's the benefit? Who, who you know, people, people walked for tens of thousands of years and it, it worked just fine and everyone was happy about it. You know, why, why have we... Why do we need cars? Why do, where are we so fucking in a hurry to go? Like, wh- why do we need to, to the speed and fast and, you know, fuck everything, fuck the world, just light, light that gas guzzler and go pedal to the metal. You know, like what, do we even think about this stuff? It's like, it's insane. End of rant. All right. Yeah. So all of our ancestors lived in this way or of tribe or a small group of where they were, you know, like a, the ocean being fed from many streams. And that, and that, that leads me to thinking of like in our, in our modern ways, often we, we live in what we call a single family home or the nuclear family, both really interesting phrasing and, and, you know, the word nuclear and single that, that tells us a lot. And, and, uh, so then it's the idea of living that way where we can essentially live by ourselves, get to work in our little metal shell of a car and, and by ourselves, go to work for eight hours a day. Or nowadays, we don't even have to go to work. We can telecommute in our house by ourselves on a, you know, t- stare at a screen, that kind of thing. And do that for eight hours a day and then come home and or be home again and turn on another screen and check out and watch TV and order food from takeout or have it delivered while we're away. And we can essentially have an isolated lifestyle. And, and so we, we don't use or need social skills. We don't need to cooperate. And, and so that whereas looking at if we look back at how our ancestors live and this this idea of, of hunter gatherers and tribal village living by necessity, they, they had to cooperate, you know, food, nobody's going to deliver the food. There's no, there's no, there's no phone you can pick up or online ordering. There's no app to have food or shelter or clothing or safety delivered. You had to cooperate with the people around you to get food, gather food, um, build shelter, take care of people young and old, you know, like you can't survive as a baby on your own. And when you, as you get older to a certain point, you know, at some point you can't, you can't survive on your own either. And so we needed each other. It was by 
there was no government program for food or for old age or for infants or, or you know, there was no cradle to grave system of uh, isolation and dependence. Whereas our ancestors had this and it was by design and it was by choice and, and, uh, and maybe another way of looking at it, there's, there was no say escape. You couldn't just say, Oh, fuck it. I don't want to live in a tribe anymore. I'm going to go do this on my own or you could, but then you'd quickly see, Holy shit, this, this living alone, trying to hack it in the woods by myself is fucking hard. Like, why did I do that? You know? And so that was, that was, um, when there's no escape, you're in a way forced to work on your shit, to learn how to cooperate, how to communicate, how to get along. And so that, you know, doing that for tens of thousands, millions of years, however long we learned, we evolved to be great at cooperating, at getting along. And so this whole isolated, combative, competitive lifestyle that we have in modern times is completely foreign to our biology. We're not, we're not meant to live that way. And that's, I, my belief is that's why we suffer and have so many diseases and and dysfunctions and all this stuff that you know depression diabetes um heart disease dementia alzheimer's all you know a lot of these things that just did not exist in the time of our ancestors in the in the hunter gatherer days and uh and so that just that fact alone is a pointer you know like what are we doing now that's that's causing all this you know it seems pretty obvious that it's it's civilization itself it's this getting away from the way we're designed to live. You know, wolves are designed to live in packs, schools, fishes in schools, birds in flocks, this kind of, you know, bees in hives, ants in a colony, uh, deer in herds, buffalo in herds, this kind of uh, lions in prides. You know, there, there's we're the only beings on this planet who have abandoned our natural evolved way of living. And, and so it's like, why? You know, where's the benefit? Who Who's benefiting from... Sure, I have this gadget that I can speak in. I have all this technology, the computers, but is it really making my life better? Am I healthier by sitting on my butt for who knows how many hours a day, staring at screens and being around all these electronics? You know, by myself, how is that beneficial to me? Is it making me healthier? Is it is it improving my life? You know, like what what's so great about being able to turn on the TV and have a thousand channels or have the internet being connected to, you know, quote unquote connected, even though what am I really connected to other than bits and zeros and ones? Like how about going outside and connecting to the world, to nature, to people, to myself, to each other? Like (sighs) sad. It's really sad that where we are today and how much we've lost and, and, uh, uh, seems crazy when i when i look at it from a historical perspective and and where where we came from and where we are now it's like it makes no like if aliens came here and were to study humans how they live today and how they used to live in the different parts of the world they they would most likely come to an unbiased conclusion that people living a modern life have lost their fucking mind that they're nuts they're destroying the planet they're living counter to the biology they're doing all these things that are destructive to themselves, to the all the plants and animals, to the earth itself, and and it, it, it just where's the benefit? It it makes no sense if if we look at it from an unbiased, honest perspective. And so it's it's um that's why I'm I'm doing this podcast because 
it needs to change. We need to change. And, and so I'm start, I started by changing myself and, and the other change I'm making is by speaking up and, and sharing what I know. And I, I can't change. I can't change you or change anyone or make anyone change. I can extend this invitation and share this information and, and hopefully it'll be, um, such a beautiful and, and inviting invitation that, that you'll feel so welcome to join in this, that, that you can't help but, um, take on this practice for yourself and, and see the benefits. Hopefully you'll see the benefits. You know, I, I really hope that. And, and I see lots of opportunities and ways that we can, um, reconnect with each other and ourselves and with nature and, and transform a lot of our isolating, destructive ways and live in a healthier, harmonious and, and loving way and really, really start to come together and, and see our common ground instead of our differences and see how we fit in and, and our gifts instead of our faults and really learn how to welcome each other and all of each other, not, not just the parts we like, but everything see everything we do and are as a gift and an invitation and an opportunity to, um, to be more loving. And that, that was, that was one of the big things I, I got going through that whole divorce thing is, is how to be more loving and compassionate both to myself and to my wife and to everyone and to the earth. Wow. You know, like that, that was one of the big things I learned that how I treat myself or how I treat nature or my spouse or, or another being shows up everywhere. So if I'm polluting the earth, guess what? I'm polluting myself. I'm polluting my relationships. I'm polluting at work. You know, it, it's going to show up everywhere. I, I, you know, I can't say, oh, I'm just dumping this garbage in the ocean, but I'm not dumping garbage at home or in my relationships. No, that's not how it works. If I, if I look at it, honestly, I'll find that I'm, I'm being destructive in all areas of my life. And so it's, and then once I start to heal one, if I start to heal myself and, and be kind and compassionate and, and listen to myself, then I'll, I'll be able to give that to others because I can't give what I don't have or what I don't know. So by taking care of myself, I can start to take care of others. I can take care of the earth. I can take care of the, the world, even if it's just, it's a small part that I do, but that's all we really need to do because that's all we can do. And, and flipping it around, that's how we got into this mess in the first place. It, you know, it wasn't one person polluted the entire earth. It's like, no, 8 billion people throwing a little piece of garbage here and there or driving a few miles here and there in a gas guzzler car or, or whatever it is. That Those little tiny actions multiplied by billions of people is how we got into this uh, modern predicament that we're in. And so the, how we get out of it is is by the same process. We One piece of trash at a time, we pick it up, we walk instead of driving or, or, you know, we, we get out and connect with each other instead of staying isolated in our bubbles or in our homes behind screens and, and ordering, you know, takeout or whatever we get, we get out, we, we connect, we reconnect and rediscover. And, and, and instead of seeing someone coming and we turn away or try to hide or, you know, whatever we say, Oh, Hey, How's it going? I, I, you know, what, what does this person have to offer me or what, what gift can I welcome in them? And, and, or just, you know, just what kind word can I give to them? And so that's, that's, that's what I'm doing this podcast and this, this idea of retribe and, and how, um, 
We have everything to gain by going in this direction and, and getting together and, and learning how to cooperate and welcome. And uh, it's fun, it's challenging, and, and I look forward to doing it. And, and I hope I want to, you know, I'm doing it together. That's the, that's the really cool part is, is the more I, I get into this practice and this, this um, concept and philosophy and, and reach out and start meeting people. I meet all these really great people and interesting and, you know, talking and practicing all this stuff. And it, it start community just starts to happen. And then I can see the natural progression that, you know, goes from just meeting people to all of a sudden we're actually going to build a tribe and we're going to live that way. And we're going to do this stuff every day and we're going to, take the fences and and remove them we're going all these barriers that we try to wall ourselves off we're going to start to to remove them because we won't need them anymore we will feel safe and we'll feel comfortable with our neighborhoods and with our environment and with ourselves and we'll be able to uh join and come together instead of trying to uh separate and create walls from stuff that we're afraid of or we don't want to show people you know all that all that will come down and and it and it won't be, it doesn't, you know, it's not like the Berlin Wall and the Great Wall of China and the the Wall of Mexico and all that, you know, that, that, it's easy to get stuck on that. That's the problem. It's like, no, those aren't the problems. It's our thinking. We, we're afraid of a certain thing. And, and if we deal with what we're afraid of, then we don't need the wall. But if we try to focus on the wall instead of dealing with our own stuff of like, yeah, I'm afraid of this person or I'm afraid of that. That's why I wall that person off or that's why I build a higher fence or I shut the curtains or all these things because I'm afraid. And so if I deal with my own fear, or at least get comfortable with it, I won't need a wall. I won't need a fence. I, I won't need to uh, run the other way or honk my horn or flip somebody off. I can Instead, I can give a smile and a wave and a, and a warm embrace and, and welcome and, and, uh, come together, you know, let's, let's retry. So thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And, uh, uh, yeah, take a look at the show notes, see the, uh, the links in there to, to a lot more information, get in deep and, and study this stuff and see what it's all about. And, uh, thank you again for listening and, and, um, hope to uh do this again soon and and connect and and meet in person and 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 have that tribe thank you